what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Hello and welcome to The Caregiver Community, where we are holding conversations about the challenges as well as the joys of caring for our aging parents and for ourselves. My name is Jane Everson, and I'm here with my co-host, Frances Hall, who is also my business partner and a very dear friend. (laughs) Frances and I are just two of the millions of adults in the United States, in fact, millions of adults around the world, who are caring for our aging parents as well as for ourselves. This is the inaugural session of the caregiver community, and I'm very excited to be able to interview my co-host, Ms. Frances Hall. Good morning, Frances. <laughs> Hello, Jane. Frances is the founder of an innovative initiative located here in Western North Carolina called ACAP Community. Frances, I know that you founded ACAP Community several years ago and for very personal reasons. Can you tell us a little bit about the journey that you have as an adult caregiver and why you created ACAP Community? Sure. About four years ago, my mother, who at that point was 89 years old, moved from her home, the home she grew up in, in Alabama, and moved here to North Carolina to be near me. She is a remarkable woman, um, independent and all of that, but found that she really was at a point that she, she wanted to be closer to a family member. So when she moved here, she moved into a retirement center, and the reality is the adjustment from home to a retirement center and all kinds of adjustments mm-hmm. as we age was difficult I'm and sure, continues sure to be. sure many of us know what that's like. Right. Absolutely. So at that point, I was working at a university, a small university here, and um, I had a friend well, in the, in, as she was moving uh, in that transition, I was trying to figure out how to help her. I had a friend and a colleague at, uh, at work who was also dealing with a mother who lived a, about two hours away, and her mother was declining. So we would begin talking um, each morning for just a few moments and, and doing what we called our mommy report. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what we found is that that support from each other really helped helped. Someone else got it. Someone else understood what we were dealing with. We so you start- really were kind of an informal support for each other while you were working and trying to deal with your moms. Yes, we were. We were. But what happened is that we started talking with other faculty and staff and realized this is sort of generational. There were a lot of us who, as I call it, wanted and were trying to love our parents well. So... Um, I started inviting faculty and staff to come together once a month just to bring their lunch or to go through the dining room and dining hall and get their lunch and sit and just share stories, thinking that in doing that there was support, but also that possibly there would be some tips, some, some insight that we could gain from each other. Mm-hmm. We did that for several months, and, and I realized that that was great, but there were a lot of questions emerging that we couldn't answer for each other, that we needed somebody who was so, somewhat more of an expert to come and talk. So I started inviting so you people. you guys had the hands-on experience, but you wanted some professionals to really guide you a bit. Right, right. So 
um, so I started having speakers come in to help us. And what we found is that that really worked well. Um, Long about that time, we were beginning to hear people in the community say, well, when is this coming to us? Because we were doing it during lunch on campus. So uh, I guess it had been going on for about a year and a half or so, and I stopped work in great part to have time with my mother, who by that point was about 92. Um, So we started doing it. I had just gone on the board of a small nonprofit and asked if we could do the program through the nonprofit, to which I was told yes. So we started offering ACAP, Adult Children of Aging Parents, through the nonprofit. The first month, we started with eight people. Within four months, we had 50 sitting there. And that was about the time that I met you and learned about ACAP. That's right. That's right. And you started coming. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... As we, I mean, very honestly, in four months, having that kind of growth, I thought, oh my golly, we're going to have to move because the location was wonderful, but too small. So uh, we moved at that point a couple of months later and realized that, that where we had moved just really wasn't working very well. So we moved back to the nonprofit facility and, um, and the attendance has continued to be strong. ACAP, Adult Children of Aging Parents, um, the mission of it is to support adult child caregivers as we care for our aging parents and for ourselves. So there are really two parts of that. Important mission. Right. But part of that is to care for, for our parents as they are aging, to journey with them. But the other part of that is for us to care for ourselves, not only to take care of ourselves now and encouraged to do that, but also to learn what we can about aging and and prepare for our own aging. So we'll be more informed as we age ourselves. Right, right. ACAP is a once-a-month educational program at its core. The core is education, although there is a support component for sure. In the two years that it has been offered to the community, we have had about 400 people attend the program. Um, And although it is located in one community, we've had people from six different counties who have come. The programs are designed specifically for adult children, but the the, um, attendance has been really a wide um, a wide range of people we've had professional um, medical people attorneys financial services people psychologists other family members of course um, we've had owners and staff of senior care and home health care organizations so it really has been a wide range of people who have come We've been very, very fortunate that the speakers have all donated their time, and they have been professionals. They have been experts in their fields, Um, everything from the psychologists and attorneys and physicians and clergy um, to DSS and Area Agency on Aging folk, um, the home health care and the long-term care facility administrators, just a real wide range of speakers. And the media has been really kind to us. The, we did an impact study. In fact, you have put that together last year, and I thought it was really interesting. In the first year, what we found is that 100% of the attendees had learned new information about caregiving as a result of coming to ACAP. 90% felt more confident, 82% felt less anxious, and 
So it's, it's truly has made a difference in people's lives, obviously. Well, as you know, I can, I can really relate to that. I, I joined ACAP about two years ago when it was uh, moved to the community. And at that time, I had both a mother and father living. And I, I came to ACAP primarily to learn the information. I knew that there were things I needed to know and was going to have to confront with my parents on the journey we were making together. Right, and right. Um, the speakers and the information were what I went for first. And that was really important, really invaluable. But what I quickly learned was the communications that you and I have and that I have with other caregivers it's really that support, the ability to laugh, to tell stories, to cry, to get angry, to come back and start over was really, really the most important gift that ACAP has given to people. Well, and, yeah, and we say that ACAP is to, is to provide information, resources, support, and community. And it really is interesting to watch how many people come exactly as you did for the information. And that's sort of how it all started. Um, but then we are seeing a real community emerging. You know, we hear a lot about um, the, the grain of America or the, the coming silver tsunami. What exactly is happening in the United States or maybe even in the world? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I saw a cartoon just the other day, and I thought it was great. It was such a good depiction. It's this huge tidal wave, this huge tsunami wave coming, and this little bitty man with this little bitty umbrella with his hand out trying to stop it. The reality is there is no stopping it. Um, the bottom line is it is um, those of us who are baby boomers, we are aging. Those of us who were born between the ages of 1946 and 64, we are well, we the, fit right in there, don't we? Uh, yeah, <laughs> and we won't say exactly where we fit in there, will we? <laughs> but the baby boomers are the largest demographic ever in the United States, and so we're the ones for whom additional um, schools had to be built. Um, as we moved through our age, that's when um, fast food restaurants mm. emerged. So baby boomers have always really changed the culture in the United States. How, how are Very we going definitely. to impact, do you think, Very aging? definitely. What's going to happen is that we are going to take those sheer numbers and move forward. Um, and as we age, and the reality is most of us as we age have more and more health issues, health, and so health care is going to be taxed. Um, the financial, the whole financial structure is going to be really interesting to watch what happens with that. What, what we know is going to happen is that by 2030, I think it is, there will be basically double the, the number of 65-year-olds and older. Double the number, wow. Double that what we have now. And then by 2050, that number will double again. Wow. So the huge, huge impact. I read something the other day that I thought was... That really is literally a tsunami, isn't it? It really is. It really is. But I think it's further com compounded and complicated with something I read the other day. We know that the birth rate is declined, has declined. The next generation is not nearly as large as the baby boomers. So what that's going to mean is adult children of aging parents, adult children are the frontline caregivers. So as we baby boomers age, the understanding is that there are seven family members who would be the family caregivers for the aging persons now. Um, and by 2030, the, that number will drop to four. Wow. By 2050, that number will drop to 2.9. 
So that really does mean the second part of ACAP's mission, caring for ourselves, Correct. really takes on added importance because the more we learn about our aging parents and what's working and not working for them, the more lessons we can apply and will need to apply to our own aging. That's right. That's right. And of course, that's all happening. I mean, talk about the sun and moons and stars lining up in a not so great way, because all of this is happening at the same time that the medical community is changing. Um, and the medical community that yes, in yesteryear was depended on to really care for the aging person or, or the person who is ill, now they're being sent back home. I know someone who had surgery fairly recently and literally within 23 hours was sent out of the hospital for, you know, in some ways for good reason. But, but there is that whole notion so that they're coming longer. back. Obviously, as a result of living longer, we're more likely to have health problems, but there'll be fewer people, paid professionals, to care for us, and, in, right. and indeed fewer adult children because our birth rate is already is also declining. That's right. That's right. Wow. So it's it truly is a tsunami, and it's something that you know we hear about, but it's when we really put all the numbers together that we start realizing the real impact of what is coming down the pike. Well, obviously, those of us um, like you and I who are caring for an aging parent or perhaps two aging parents or even maybe caring for in-laws or a spouse, we should all be concerned because it's going to hit us personally. But why should everyone else care? Because it is a tsunami. (laughs) The the bottom line. The bottom line. Um, So you think, how is it going to impact businesses and municipalities? What What is happening is that at this point, the the family caregivers are going to be, at this point, the family caregivers are really taking a lot of the brunt. The value of family caregivers right now is the amount of all of the sales of Walmart all over the world. That's so you the mean value. non-paid family members right. who are actually providing support. That's right. That's if right. we had to pay them. If yes. we had to pay them, that's right. It would be the cost or, or the sales, the revenue of all of the Walmarts. That, that's a lot of money. That is amazing. The other part of that, and I'm looking at, at some figures, um, the other part of that is that the loss to business in terms of the the caregiver being away from work, either coming in late, leaving early, having to take time off, that sort of thing, um, is something like $33 billion, and that is with a B. $33 billion are lost in lost productivity to businesses. That's huge. That has huge implications for us. Um, Knowing that the baby boomers, I mean, we we hear a lot about saving for retirement and all that sort of thing. The reality is boomers have not, across the board, have not done a good job with that. And then if we have situations that you and I, I know, are very similar in that we left our jobs in large part to care for our parents. And that that's certainly right. has implications for our own savings and our families. It ha- that's right. It has implications for us now. It also has implications for, for the future in terms of not having been able to save for our retirement, not contributing to Social Security. And when, yes, and, and so that just. So hoping makes our a children difference. are going to be successful. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. But, but of course, those of us who came through college when we did, we were told that, you know, postpone marriage, postpone children. And so we found a lot of our life in the workforce, the declining and in the community. Baby boom. Mm-hmm. The declining baby boomer, that's right, or the declining birth rate. Uh, birth rate from the boomer generation. Yeah. So there's another thing that I just recently read, and that is that the retirement of boomers will not only slow the labor force growth um, in the future, it also will mean that the slowing that slowing of the real U.S. GDP growth to a more modest pace than in recent decades. In other words, that as we, as the boomer generation, retire, then we will be spending less. Of course, we'll be working less, so spending less, saving less, contributing less. And so it's going to impact the GDP for our future. So that's a whole nother piece of it yeah, that, that really has implications, implications for, for the business community as well as municipal services. That's right. That's right. That's right. And then in that, we add in the whole Alzheimer's issue. Right now, there are 5 million people estimated living with Alzheimer's in the United States. By 2025, they are estimating 7.1 million. By 2050, it's projected to jump to 13.8 million. Well, hard numbers to even, to even grasp. It's, it's my understanding that maybe one in four people over the age of 80 have at least some characteristics of dementia or right. Alzheimer's. Right, right. So, and knowing the kind of impact that has and the kind of huge cost, not only in terms of health care and medical care, but also, again, to the, to, the, um, to the family caregiver, the informal caregiver, it's just huge. Tell me a little bit about um, the, the typical, if there is one, family caregiver. I know that ACAP community has done some, some demographic work on what the average person looks like in this community. What what does a typical caregiver look like? The typical caregiver is a 49-year-old woman who is caring for her 69-year-old mother who does not live with her. Kind of similar to you and I. (laughs) Funny about that. Maybe we're a little older. (laughs) Yes, thank you very much. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the typical caregiver is married and is employed. Um, Is a female. Is a female, yes. Um, Two-thirds are female. That also means that that a third are men. There is a difference typically in how the woman approaches and the kind, the level of caregiving that the woman or the daughter gives as compared with the male. But even that is shifting these days. Typically, caregivers caregivers will spend twenty hours a week in caregiving responsibilities, which is like working full time and having another part time job. And so that might be actually providing one on one care or. For example, in my case, from a distance, from 400 miles away, but I would still say I spend 20 hours a week on the phone right. or talking with other people about how to organize services around my mother. Right, right, absolutely. And again, if dementia or Alzheimer's is in the picture, then it's double that. So those people are trying to basically do two full-time jobs. And then we have the sandwich generation. Basically, a third of the people are are dealing with the sandwich generation, basically that they are caring for a parent and they are caring for a child or children under the age of 18 who are living in the home. Wow. So pretty amazing statistics. I think it's really interesting, and you and I have talked about this, I think it's interesting to think about caregiving today versus yesteryear 
I remember in the 80s when my mother was caring for her mother, um, just this very, very, very challenging situation. My mother retired, took an early retirement, so that's sort of consistent with, with our situation. But she took an early retirement, and I think it was about two weeks after she retired that my grandmother became bedridden. And so for the next three, three and a half years, my mother cared for my grandmother completely alone in the home as a bedridden patient. And I think many of us can relate to that, that our mothers did the same thing for right. our grandparents. And, you know, it, it's interesting, I, and I know your, your story is very, fairly similar. Geographically, families used to live closer together. So you might exactly. be able to go down the street to care for your mom. Now we're dealing, your mom was in Alabama and you were here in North Carolina. I'm in North Carolina and my mother is in um, Northern Virginia. Distance really exacerbates the issues with Absolutely. families. Absolutely, it does. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. There's also a whole a whole list of things that are different these days. In yesteryear, there was no question that the woman was going to take that role because... Oh, less likely to be working outside. That's right. Less likely to be working. The whole structure of the woman's role was to be the caregiver. You know, husband, children, all of that. Well, today it's different because we're in the workforce. We are finding our lives in... Uh, finding our lives in the community. And, and, and that's of course, we as we're put living longer, we're older caregivers as our parents are living longer. And that also brings a whole set of, many of us are dealing with our own health issues as we're also dealing with our parents' health issues. That's right. And I think it's really interesting as much as fitness and healthy eating and all of that has been in such the forefront in our generation, there are some predictions that the boomers will be a healthier generation than, pre, than previous generations Mm -hmm. live longer and be healthier. Mm -hmm. There also are some studies that are saying, particularly because of the obesity epidemic, that we will live longer, but we will be less healthy Mm -hmm. than previous generations. Mm -hmm. Hence the the rise in the incidence of diabetes and some of the other diet-related disorders that we hear about. That's right. Yep. Wow. Well, this is this is a lot of uh, information to absorb. What what kinds of things do you think that um, a, a adult child caregiver needs to know in order to be informed and balanced? Um, I think there's a whole list of things, but I think very honestly that that there is a sort of a toolbox of sort of categories. I'm going to call them of what people need. We Can we need- go to the hardware store and buy the pink box? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Little, Wouldn't that be little nice? Pink box? Right, right, right. That would be really nice, but it doesn't work quite that way. Um, basically, what what I see and what we, you and I have talked about is that there probably are about six or seven um, categories that people really need to know about. We need to understand the process of aging. That- so, so what would those six categories be if you... Um, to put them together? I would say needing to know the process of aging, that we need to know community and other resources. 
we need to really understand financial and legal issues and, and those implications. We need to understand what the housing and transportation options are, and that, that would include anything from staying in the private residence, potentially at some point having caregivers coming in, all the way up to being in a, a retirement center or all the way to skilled nursing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to know how to handle family dynamics and caregiver stress because as much truly as a joy and a privilege it is to journey with our parents, the reality is there is stress. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's that whole category of Alzheimer's and other dementias that people that we really need to understand. Mm-hmm. So really for a caregiver to be able to learn a little bit about information in each of those six categories would help you to be informed and a little more balanced as you approach caregiving. Right, right, right. You've mentioned uh, throughout your comments words like support and community. Why are they important? I know I have my own ideas <laughs> on that. Why do you think they're important? Um, I remember what it was like to feel so completely overwhelmed with with trying to help a parent navigate and adjust to a new situation. And that new situation doesn't necessarily have to be a move to a new community. The newness of the situation can be that the health is declining or there is some condition that has emerged. And so it's a whole new world every day. It's a whole new world. Being able to have someone who we can talk with, who understands, just helps. It just really helps. Not only can we sometimes get tips and insights from someone who has gone before us or who has experienced and found things that help with a certain situation, but it it just really helps to be able to know that there is at least another person and sometimes even a group of people that we can turn to and talk with, um, hear ourselves talk, and um, really share those stories. Yeah, that really resonates with me, Frances. I know that when I first began this journey or realized I was beginning the journey, I should say, because I guess we're always on this journey with our parents, but at some point you realize that the roles are changing and you are becoming the adult child caregiver. There were a couple of evenings that I really just curled up in a fetal position and thought, I can't do this. I can't do this. I don't know how to do it. And uh, really by by befriending people like you, coming to support groups, some days I realized, wow, my situation isn't as bad as others. And some days I had the strength to just take it one hour at a time, not even one day at a time, just one hour at a time. And it, it really has been talking, listening, laughing, crying with other people, as well as learning the information that's um, made me think, maybe I can do this. <laughs> and it really is twofold. It really is. Yes, we need the information. We need the resources. We need that sort of tangible stuff. But this is such an emotional and such a heart journey that we also need to to have people who can help us just just know that we can do this, we can hang on, um, that it is all about loving our parents well, but it also is taking care of ourselves. Can you talk a little bit about taking care of yourselves? We, we hear that 
a lot. Yeah. When we, we, we hear ourselves saying that to other caregivers, right, right, we tell ourselves, right. what does that really mean? How do we take care of ourselves? And sometimes it's a whole lot easier <laughs> said than done. It is. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. But it really is, and, and very honestly, I think you really have done an excellent job of really scheduling time for exercise. Well, you know me, I schedule everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, it, it's really paying attention to what we are eating. It's paying attention, very honestly, to what we are thinking, because it's so easy to get wrapped up in all of this and to give ourselves all kinds of messages that are uh, the, that can be really debilitating and really negative. Yeah. Well, the hardest part, I think, as you know, is not feeling guilty when you right. do take time for yourselves. We know it's okay to spend an hour exercising or going to see a movie or reading a book, but you always think, well, well gosh, should I be doing this for mom? Should I be right, doing right. this for dad? Do I have the right to do this for myself? Right, right. Well, And, it's and we like, do. It's important. That's right. I know but, you've talked about your mom and how difficult it was caring for her mother and how she really just collapsed absolutely. at the point your grandmother died. Absolutely, absolutely. She was in the hospital, literally, when my grandmother passed. And it was because of the strain, the stress of being a caregiver in such an intense way. Mm-hmm. And, and caregiving, one of the things that I think happens is that people hear the term caregiver or caregiving, and they think a certain thing. They think it's very hands-on. They think it's very, very intense. And, and they think it's very up close and personal. Well, it is, but it does not necessarily mean that we are literally um, caring for a bed patient. Caregiving is a real yeah. spectrum. Yeah. I think that's important that people understand. Right, right. And that caregiving really begins with that point of we are their supporters, we are their advocates. We may call them um Frequently, regularly, that's caregiving. That's taking care of them. That's making sure that we are aware of what their needs are and what's going on and helping where we can. And it ranges from that all the way up to very hands-on, very 24-hour-a-day or 24, what is it, 24-7, 365 mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been on this journey for a number of years now with your mom, and the journey continues. Right. Do you have any words of Blessedly. wisdom? <laughs> Things that you wish someone had told you when you began this journey. Oh, all kinds of things, <laughs> all kinds of things. Um, I, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is that truly, truly being able to be on this journey is is a privilege and it is a joy. I am truly blessed that my mother is 94 and is doing as well as Your she mother is. mother is a remarkable woman. She truly is. She truly is. Now, 94 is 94, but, uh, but she really is a remarkable person. One of the things that I had said to her, and I hear myself saying over and over, is that I want her to be safe, comfortable, and happy. But the reality is, if if we have to make a choice, in my books, safe is paramount. And often it's not if, it's when. That's when right. When we have to make the choice. That's right. And it's so certain, safety really is just knowing that when you have to make a choice, safety is the number one. That is, that is for me, and I hear that echoed repeatedly mm-hmm. because everything else falls away if our loved one is not safe. And that means all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Good um, advice. In terms of where they're living and, and just all, all sorts mm-hmm. of all sorts of places. Um, what else? 
I think I'm a real fixer. You know that. (laughs) I like to get in and make things happen. And what I have learned in this journey is that fixing is very different from listening, accompanying, advocating, and supporting. I think that's why I like the word advocating. We can't fix it. We are aging. Our parents are aging. We can't change that. That's right. Oh, if we could, but we can't. Mm -hmm. That's the reality, that that the journey continues as long as it can. Um, and and so yes, I am slowly so but surely learning, <laughs> learning, learn, that, listen, yeah, and advocate. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. Um, I think as we have talked about with ACAP, that um, that really taking a look at what we can learn for our own aging really does make sense. And I certainly had never thought of that until we got into some conversation about ACAP and what what ACAP is really about. But but it really does make sense for us to, to pay attention to what's going on around us so we can learn um, the things to put in place now so that our aging will be as productive as possible. So that the lessons we're learning, we're not only applying to our own parents, but we will apply that's to right. our own aging and, and probably caregiving for our spouses and other family members. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> My husband says that, that we are, uh, that I am a was, a wife of an aging spouse. So <laughs> well, I think I, I think, fit in that category as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the next, the next part of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What about you? What have you learned? Oh, gosh, I, I think, um, I, I think I'm learning more than I have learned. Learned yeah, true. Thus far, I'm, I'm a little maybe earlier on the journey. My mother is um, only 81. There was a time when I would have uh-huh. said only 81, but right, right. my mother too is in remarkable health at 81. She is um, she is she is feisty. She is excited about life. Um, How wonderful! She has a lot of passions and interest, and um, she doesn't want to move away. From her home, and I'm struggling sure. with the same thing. Right now, she's happy. She has friends. She has networks. She still drives and, and really drives very very well, even though she lives in the Washington, D.C., very fast-paced suburbs. Right, right. But I really want her to move to my community, which is um, obviously more convenient for me, sure. a little slower. Sure. But some of the things I'm learning is I can't walk in with a plan and say, all right, by this state, you're going to move into this community, and these things are going to fall into place. It really is a listening to her concerns, um, trying to recognize and appreciate her losses, her fears about moving from a community, and, and giving up some independence. Um, trying to, to go with that timeline and her plan and meshing it with my plan is um, it's probably a good process for me because I, like you, I'm a fix-it, I'm an organizer, and right, it's right. teaching me to slow down and listen. Absolutely the taking care of myself. I, I still struggle with... Um, gosh, can I really take a day off and go on vacation? Can right, I really right. do this? I know right. I have to do it. I know that it's right for me as well as for my mother and my, my other family members. Right. Well, it, But it's it, difficult. It, it's that airline thing, you know, that, that they tell us when we get on the airline that, that if the oxygen masks, mask drops down, to put it on ourselves first yeah. and then put it on the, the one yeah. who may not be able Good to. Good analogy, because that is that exactly thing. what we have to do, yeah. isn't it? But it is hard. Yeah, I, I think the only other 
other aspect that maybe I'm um, appreciating a little differently that you didn't mention is just the many, 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 many roles that we have right. to juggle, right. sometimes at the same time. Sometimes I'm a banker, sometimes I'm a house cleaner, sometimes right. I'm, I'm a personal care attendant, sometimes I'm a chauffeur, sometimes I'm a appraiser of household items, uh, sometimes I'm shampooing and, and doing um, even eyebrow cutting for <laughs> elderly fathers. So there's right, many, right. many, many many roles, some of which I willingly and happily jump in and, and take on, sure. and I think they're appropriate roles for an adult child. Others I, I question, am Struggle I the right it. person to do that, and right. am I um, asking my parents to give up some dignity when I take on those roles for them? So, so really kind of stepping back and saying, is that my job to do, or to organize somebody else to do, or just to step back and let my, my now, my mother, not my father has passed on, kind of ask for those kinds of things themselves. So truly, truly right, a journey. Right, It is. It is a journey. Well, this has been um, just great getting to know a little bit more about you and ACAP and the journey we're all taking together. I want to thank everyone for listening to the caregiver community. Francis and I have um, enjoyed our time together. Hope you have and hope you've learned some things today Absolutely. about caregivers and caregiving. Francis and I will be holding conversations in the months to come with experts in the field. Um, I use the, the quote that uh, Francis and I are experts because we're learning more and more about less and less, but sometimes we need Good to invite quote. some professionals who <laughs> maybe can ground us a little bit on this journey. So we'll be talking with other people in the months to come. The program is a part of the MeSH network of online shows and podcasts. You can learn more about the MeSH and check out other programs available for free at www.themesh.tv. On that site, you can also send us a question or a recommendation for future show topics using the Contact Us button. We also encourage you to find us on Apple iTunes, where you can subscribe to our show and make sure that you receive all future episodes sent to you automatically. You'll find a link on the MeSH website or on our ACAP community website to subscribe. Francis, you want to tell people a little bit more about how to get more information on ACAP community? I'd be happy to. If you would like more information about ACAP, our ACAP community, please visit us uh, at www.acapcommunity, and that is A-C-A-P as in Paul, acapcommunity.com. Um, you can call us toll-free at one 599 acap which is one 599 Or you can email us at info at acapcommunity.com. Thank you. So, thank you, Jane. <laughs> Good to be with you. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.